0: So last week we uh, started a series called The Leak and uh, we basically got this bucket and we talked about filling this bucket up uh, with uh, the life of Christ Um, and uh, if this was water then most of you probably just put water in there and fill this water up to the top but the problem with this bucket is there's a bunch of holes at the bottom and if you put water in guess what's going to happen? For those of you who never went to school, this is what happens. The water goes in, the water comes out. And that's what we talked about last week. That's what some of us, it happens with the life of Christ. Christ comes and pours his life into us and fills us up. But sometimes there's leaks and there's holes in our life and the life of Christ just leaks out. And so some of us, we, we see scriptures like the Bible says that Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the full. But many of us, we don't see that life happening in our life. Christ comes, you know, we give our life to Jesus Christ and we receive the life of Christ. But some things happen in life. And many different things happen, and it causes little chinks into our life, and little holes come, and suddenly the water or the life of Christ just starts to drain out of us. And we gave an introduction last week. Well, today I want to get into the the nitty-gritty of what we're going to talk about today. How many of you here have a spouse who thinks that life is like, uh, if they were a glass, they would always be, and the glass was filled halfway, they would always be like half empty like people. I have one as well. So, How many of you here this morning always half glass full people? That's me as well. So some of you. How many of you are just realists and think, whatever, you know, I I see how it is, not half empty, not half full, just a realist. Okay, let me just tell you those realists, you're really half-glass empty people. You think that you're realists, but really I've discovered uh, realists are half-glass empty people. Well, I think there's two kinds of people in life. People who see the world or their life as a glass half-empty, and then others who see the life as a glass half-full. When it comes to living a life of faith, and the following Jesus Christ. And living this life where Christ just fills us up. The people this morning who uh, have their glass half empty. I think you guys have a harder time living a life of faith at times. Than people who see the, the life or their, their life is a half, their, their glass as a half full. Because when it comes to the life of Christ, so often we have these leaks in our life. Some of them, some of us, uh, they, they may be different things. Some of us, they may be sins in our lives. Others, they may be tragedies in our life. Some of us, that they, they may be sickness, or or, or they may be uh, just uh, personality differences, or, or or broken down relationships, and it causes holes in our lives. And so often, the life of Christ is leaking out of us. And those with their, with their life, and they see their life as a glass half empty, this is what they think, I think, at times. They think that it's just not stoppable. Just the life of Christ is just unstoppable. It just comes out, and I, and I can't control it. It's uncontrollable. These leaks, and I see these things, these problems in my life, and it's uncontrollable. And then you have people like me who see life as always the glass half full. And what we do, we see the leaks in our life, and then we just try to fight and fight and fight against them. And we fight valiantly, but over time we just get burnt because the leaks are still there and the life keeps flowing out of us. You know, I think there's an issue with both sides of this. And the issue is this, is that none of it is right. Because so often when we see the leaks in our lives and the problems in our lives, we start to focus on the problem. We start to focus on that big gaping hole in our life, and we start to see things happen in our life. We start to see Christ coming, filling our lives. But all we can focus on is that big hole that the life of Christ is just flowing. Out of, And the problem is, is we turn our attention to the problem instead of the problem solver. We turn our attention to the problem instead of the problem solver. We watch the, the, the life of Christ just drain out of us. And that's all we can focus on. Those problems in our life. Maybe you're struggling with a sin this morning. And that's all you can focus on that sin. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship. Or you're struggling just in in different areas. Or you're struggling just to read your Bible or to pray to God. And that's all you can focus on. Let me just tell you before we get into any further. It's time to stop focusing on those things. And focus on the one who can solve all those problems. In order for us to repair those spiritual leaks in our lives, there is one solution, but there is a long process. One solution, but a long process. The solution is this: Jesus Christ is the solution to any problem in your life, any situation, any leak, any damage that may be done in your spiritual life. Jesus Christ is the is the solution. There's no 12-step program to get over it. There's no, uh, you know, uh, seven steps to effective living. There's none of that. Jesus Christ is the one and only solution. But there's a process as well. And the process starts with this. It starts with something that I think people who have their see their life as their glass half empty have a problem with. And the first step of that process is this, to praise Jesus, to praise Jesus. Now, some of you, when I said that, you you probably had all these different views uh, of of what praising Jesus is. There's many different ways that we can praise Jesus. And I tell you, I probably praise Jesus very different to many of you. Many of us have grown up in just different environments. Some of us, we never went to church as a kid. So others, we we grew up in a a Catholic background or a Baptist background or a Presbyterian. I grew up in a Pentecostal background. That means we hoop and holler and, and, and do all that crazy stuff. And so the way that you grew up often dictates how you praise Jesus. But let me tell you at the start, when we're talking about praising Jesus, we're not talking about a style of praise. We're not talking about a certain way that we praise Jesus. We're talking about the fundamental uh, uh, um, foundation of how we praise Jesus. And this is why I believe the first step to solving the leaks in our life, or the first uh, bit of the process, is to praise Jesus. In Psalm 22 and verse 3, it says this. It says, but you are holy, O God. O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. That's read, in from, the, uh, read from the Amplified Version. Let me translate that to you. Basically, that says where people praise God, God dwells. Where people praise God, God dwells. So if there are a group of people who are praising God, then God, through his word, has promised that he will dwell amongst those people who dwell where those people are praising him. This is tough for the people who see life as uh, all their glasses half empty. And the reason they see this difficult is because when life isn't turning out as we expected, the first question often is, well, what do we have to praise about? What should we praise God about? Where is God in my life? Why should I praise God? When my life isn't going according to plan, why should I praise God? However, Christ is the ultimate answer. To all of our issues, all of our leaks, all of our holes in our lives. And the way that we usher Christ into our lives, the Bible says is by praising Christ. By praising Christ. And when you praise Christ, when you praise God, the Bible says that God's presence comes and dwells. Comes and dwells. Well, you may be asking, what is praise? What is praise? Well, let me just tell you firstly, praise is often not the way that we think praise is done in church. Church changes all the time. And when we come in in the morning and uh, we start singing some songs, what we're doing is called a time of praise and worship. But the time of praise and worship that we have is very different to what they had 50 years ago. And then again, it's very different to what happened 200 years ago. And it's very, very different to when Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. So let's look at really what praise is. Basically, praise means to applaud or to magnify. To applaud or to magnify. So basically, when we're praising Jesus, it's like we're giving God a, a hand clap. We're like, bravo, well done, God. Or we are magnifying God to another level. It's basically making something greater than what we can what we can actually see. Making something greater than what we can actually see. So when we praise Jesus, we are making Jesus or we're making God greater into it in our lives than maybe what we can see at the moment. Because we are magnifying it. It's like getting a magnifying glass and increasing. And making Jesus and making God greater into our lives. I'll give you an example. Shaving cream. Shaving cream. You got this can. You shake it. And then you start squirting the shaving cream out. And if you're not careful, if it's in the hands of maybe a child, that shaving cream is going to be everywhere. But you can just squirt a little bit into your hand. And then suddenly, what happens? It starts to expand and it starts to grow. And if you squirt that whole can of shaving cream out, you're going to get a whole lot more uh, what, what you see than actually what you thought was in the can. And that's like when we praise Jesus. When we praise Jesus, what happens is God's presence may be in our life. The Spirit of Christ may be in our lives. But when we start to praise Jesus, it's like squirting that can of shaving cream. And it like increases all the time. It's it's like putting gasoline on just a little fire. As soon as you do it, it just ignites and it becomes bigger and bigger. And that's what happens when we praise Jesus. Jesus becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. So some of you may be asking, okay, if that's what praise is, making Jesus and making God bigger in our lives, how do we do it? Well, I want to just take you through some steps this morning of of how we praise Jesus. Jesus. You know, there, there are some people who are great at praising Jesus. You know, it's funny because when we have people, guest people, come, come to Generation Church, they're, they're kind of amazed, I think, at times uh, at the way that just j- during our praise and worship time, uh, you know, when we're singing songs, that uh, uh, just the different styles uh, of, of people. I mean, you've got those like, you know, I mean, they're just rocking out, hands up in the air. You've got those who are like just not saying anything at all, just looking at the words. And people are just, like, uh, like, amazed. They're like, wow, there's some, like, just not into it at all. There's others really into it. I'm like, no, no, no. People are into it. It's just they're praising God in different ways. And let me just tell you, we're talking about praising God. There's no set way to praise God. There's no set way at all. If you don't feel comfortable in, like, hooping and hollering and, I don't know, getting on the, up on the balcony and then doing, like, a, a, a dive or something off it, if you're not happy doing that, that is fine. If you are happy doing that, we need to talk, you know. But, uh, but there, there's, it, whatever way you feel comfortable in praising God, it is okay. But there is a way to praise God. And the first way is this. It's called sacrificial praise. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hebrews is like all the way back, at the, almost at the end of the New Testament. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. I'm going to start reading at verse 15. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. I'm going to read verse 15 again, but through... Uh, A different version. And it says this. It says, through him, through Jesus, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. You know, in the Old Testament, before Jesus ever walked this earth, the Jewish people made sacrifices unto God and they would make different kind of sacrifices for different reasons that they, they would put a bull on for one reason they would bring some grain onto God for another reason they would put a, a, a lamb or a goat on for a different reason there was lots of different sacrifices that they did but ultimately there were, there were two kinds of sacrifices there was one that they would sacrifice unto God so God would forgive their sins and then there was another type of sacrifice that they would offer up to God to appease God and also to glorify God and to praise God. And what, what happened is when Jesus came and lived on this earth and then he died on a cross on a mountain called Calvary and then, and then three days later he rose from the grave, what happened at that moment, Jesus became what we call a sacrificial lamb for the sins of mankind. See, what the Jewish people do, they would take a lamb and they would sacrifice it uh, like a pure lamb that, that had no uh, spot, no, no blemish, no, no disease, a pure lamb, and they would sacrifice it unto God so God would forgive their sins. And when Jesus came and he died that death, he became what we call the ultimate sacrificial lamb. For the sins of mankind. See the Jewish people. They would do it like once a year. Unto God. Because it would only cover the sins that were done in their past. But when Jesus came and died. On that cross. Jesus didn't only just die for the sins of yesterday. But Jesus also died for the sins of today. And also the sins of tomorrow. So even though Jesus died 2,000 years ago, now because we've lived after Jesus, we can claim that sacrifice that Jesus has given. And so because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, we no longer have to make a sacrifice unto God so God would forgive our sins because Jesus has already done that. So the good news is this morning, we don't have to bring a lamb in here. Or we don't have to bring a goat or a bull. And like, you know, shed some blood and, you know, offer things up to God. That would kind of be a little weird. But we don't have to do that because Jesus has already done that. But it doesn't mean that we get away from not making sacrifices unto God for praise. Or to appease God. And in Hebrews 13 chapter 15 and 16, it tells us. It says there, just at the end of uh, of verse 16, it says, says, basically it says, offer a sacrifice unto praise unto God. And says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So if you want to make a sacrifice unto God that pleases God, then there's three sacrifices that you can make. One is a sacrifice of praise unto God, another is a sacrifice of doing good, and then a third is a sacrifice of serving others. Those are the three sacrifices Hebrew says that please God. Well, this morning we're going to look at the sacrifice of praise. God refers to praise as a sacrifice. The, Hebrew, the, the writer of Hebrews uses the exact same terminology as, as, as the writer of a book called James. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to flip just like a page or maybe two, to James chapter 2 and verse 21 to 24. Same exact terminology that's used. It says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son isaac on the altar you see his faith and his actions worked together his actions made his faith complete and so it happened just as the scriptures say abraham believed god and god counted him as righteous because of his faith he was called the friend of god so you see we are shown to be right with god by what we do not by faith alone So the the rite of Hebrews tells us, it says that we are to offer a sacrifice of praise. The same terminology is used there in James where it says, Abraham offered his son Isaac unto God as a sacrifice. It's the same thing, it is offering something unto God as a sacrifice. So this means that if it's a sacrifice, then our praise unto God must cost something. For Abraham, it cost him almost his son. For others, it's cost them maybe their lives. But ask yourself today, what in your life is God asking you to give up to him? What is he asking you to offer up to him? Maybe it's something that will cost you something. Making a sacrifice of praise unto God isn't easy. If you make a sacrifice, it's not easy. If you've ever gone like on a fitness regime or a diet or, or you know, you've maybe fasted TV or Facebook or something like that and, and you've been doing it for a while, it is not easy. You are making sacrifices in your life. People who are trying to save up maybe for something, they make sacrifices in their lives by changing their lifestyle a little so they don't buy as much as what they normally buy. It's not easy to do. Also making a sacrifice unto God, it means it takes faith, but it also takes action as well. It's not like we can just sit back and say, hey God, let me offer this sacrifice unto you. No, like Abraham, it took action in order to do it. And the writer of Hebrews said that we are continuing to make a sacrifice of praise unto God. And making a sacrifice means that we have to be in action. It also means that praise comes from your lips. Praise comes from your lips. This is hard for some of you. Some of you shy, you don't like to speak out things. But, But there in the Amplified Version, just to translate it a little easier, it says that we are to make a sacrifice of praise unto God, which is the fruit of our lips. The fruit of our lips. When we are to make sacrifices of praise unto God, it means speaking out our praise unto God. Applauding God with our lips. Magnifying God with our lips. And some of you, that that may be hard. That may be hard to do. But it's a sacrifice. And sacrifices aren't easy. And so, some of you, it may be just in, in your day-to-day actions, just glorifying God in, in, at work or at school or at home, in the things that you do, speaking out your praises unto God, because the praise of God is the fruit of our lips. Praise is vocal. And what praise is, is basically an outward expression of our heart. So praise or the way we praise God is through a sacrifice of praise. We also praise God through continual praise as well. The Bible says it's to offer a, a continual sacrifice of praise unto God. Continual. Also in Psalm uh, 34, verse 1, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will constantly speak His praises. The writer there who, who was a man called King David, he understood what it meant to praise God. Praising God isn't a one-time deal. It's not a one-time deal. Praising God is an everyday occurrence. Everyday occurrence. You know, I used to laugh when I was younger at people who like just brought God into everything. You know? You, you, they, they, they would be along the road, and I don't know. The trash man would come pick the trash up, and they're like, "Praise Jesus," you know. And uh, or you know, they, 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 they would go and uh, they, they, they would go to a restaurant, and uh, you know, someone would give them like an extra pickle on their sandwich, They're like, "Praise Jesus," you know. And I used to laugh at people like that, thinking, "Man, do they have to make everything so spiritual?" But the reality is, is I don't laugh at those people as much anymore. I mean, I still think it's funny sometimes. But what they're practicing, it's a continual offering up of praise unto God. Continually offering up praise unto God. Praise isn't just a one-time occurrence. It means in everything that we do, we're to offer praises unto God. And this is where it gets real tough for those people who have their, they see their life as the glass half empty. Because there's so many things in your life you do not think that you need to be praising about. You know when those bills come, I mean, should I be praising God through that? You know when tragedy comes to my life, should I be praising God with that? When, When the bottom just falls out of my life, should I be praising God in that? But the reality is, is when we praise God, God shows up, God dwells, and when God shows up, God fills us up again. I want to share with you a little story. I love this story in the Bible. It's found in Acts chapter 16. There was a man called Paul and a man called Silas. They were out on the streets, and they were telling everybody about Jesus. They were telling that they needed to turn their lives, repent of their sins, and then follow Jesus. And there was a lot of people who didn't like what they were saying. And in Acts chapter 16 and verse 22, it says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. I mean, that's pretty harsh, just declaring the word of God. But they were stripped and then they were beaten. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, let me just tell you, if you've ever been in like an ancient castle or, or something like that, and you've been into the dungeons, there's two levels. That You go down into the dungeon, and it's kind of dark. There, there may be like one little light. Um, like, a, uh, like a window that shoots up, shows some daylight in there. And, and you go in there and uh, and, and, and they, they cuff you to the wall and like you've got chains around your feet. And it's pretty nasty. I mean, you would not want to do that. There's no way our government would allow that anymore to prisoners. But then there is an inner prison or an inner dungeon and you go even further and there's no light. You don't know what's on the floor. I mean, or you start to see these two little eyeballs around everywhere. And, uh, and then they chain you to the wall. So you can't even move at all. This is what happened to Paul and Silas. They were put in that inner dungeon. Then listen, this is what happened. It says, so around midnight, so the middle of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and then they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself because he would have been in serious trouble. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. I mean, could you imagine? That, so that these two, they're, they're chained in this inner dungeon, and in the midst of the most horrific night of their lives, they start praying, and then they start praising God through singing, singing hymns and spiritual songs unto God. I mean, how many of you, if you were in the inner dungeon, would start praising God? I mean, I've probably been cursing God. Like, what is going on? But they just started praising God. The Bible doesn't say that they, they were asking God to deliver them or set them free. They just started praising God in the situation that they were in. And immediately what happened is the presence of God just filled that place. And then the chains that bound them were totally released. Because where the presence of God is, there is liberty and there is freedom. And maybe you might not be in a physical prison. A physical dungeon, but maybe you might be in a spiritual prison or a spiritual dungeon and your hands may be chained. Maybe it's from a relationship or from sin in your life and it's like it's chaining you. But when you start to praise God, the Bible says that God inhabits or dwells in the praises of his people and where God shows up, there is liberty and there is freedom and that's when God just breaks those chains off of your lives. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, When you meet together, sing songs, hymns and spiritual songs to each other and to God. And this is what Paul and Silas started to do. And God showed up. And then finally this morning, very quickly, so we have sacrificial praise. We have continual praise. Praise God in any situation, in all circumstances. And then finally, we have a lifestyle praise. A lifestyle of praise. In Psalms 100 and verse 4. It says there. It says. Enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. That really should be the DNA of our lives. Enter the courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise praise has to become part of your lifestyle it is not just good enough to praise god when we feel like it but praise has to become part of the dna of our lives create a habit of praise so when you walk around this life the praises of god go before you for this is how we enter the presence of god And when it becomes part of our lifestyle, those cracks, all those leaks and the holes that the life of Christ is just leaking out, they start to get filled in. And then Christ starts to fill you up once again. Each person, like I said before, has a different way that they praise God. There's no one set style to praise God. But it must be a sacrifice, it must be continual, and it must become part of the DNA of your life. And no matter how you praise God, or what style, the the, the results are exactly the same, and the results are incredible. And you see throughout this book, that there are so many examples of people who praise God. Like from the very beginning to the very end, there's people who praise God. And this is what happened when they praised God. Some, of, some people avoided death, added years, added on to their lives. There were walled cities that were like six feet wide all the way around. When people praised God, they just came crashing down. When people praised God, giants who were strong and mighty came tumbling down down. When people praise God, there were armies of tens and hundreds of thousands who were put to flight and defeated. When people praised God, the mouths of hungry lions were shut. When people praised God, the storms that, that came in their life or storms that happened were stilled and peace and quiet came. When people praised God, prison doors were opened and the beautiful presence of God was magnified and increased and today when you praise God the promise of God is this is that God dwells in the praises of his people and if this can happen for these people in this book when they praise God then it's exactly the same for us when we praise God imagine what could happen in our lives And the solution isn't to look at the problem all the time, but it's to look at the problem solver, Jesus Christ, to glorify and magnify and applaud and extol His wonderful name. And when you do that, the praises of God come upon you. Today I want to leave you with one promise. A promise that's found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. And this is a prophecy before Jesus was ever born about Jesus. And this is what it says. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives. And the opening of the prison. And the eyes of those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of God's favor. And the day of vengeance of, God, of our God. And to comfort all who mourn. To grant consolation uh, consolation and joy to those who mourn in Jerusalem to give them an ornament or a garland or or a diadem so like a crown or like a Miss America sash or something like that uh, to those uh, 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 who mourn and he will give that uh, uh, as a beautiful present instead of ashes Jesus will come and he will give an oil of joy instead of mourning joy instead of mourning then He will give the garment of praise instead of a heavy, burdened and falling spirit. And then those people will be called Oaks of Righteousness. Like a big, strong tree, lofty, and magnificent, distinguished for righteousness, the, the justice and right standing with God. They will be called Oaks of Righteousness, the plant of the Lord, that He may be glorified. When you praise God, this is what happens. God starts to give you like new clothes and new garments. And maybe you've been going through in your life, and this your life has just been weighing you down. Maybe it's some some things in your life, some sins, some temptations, some issues, maybe with a spouse or a friend or a loved one. Maybe it's it's just Financial issues have just been weighing you down like, like a heavy like a heavy coat that's just been on you. May, may, maybe just a, a health issue has been weighing you down. Maybe it's just stuff you can't even put your finger on has just been weighing you down. Well, this is what happens when you start to praise God. God lifts that heavy clothing or that heavy weight off you. And He gives you a garment of praise instead. And when you start to praise God, the presence of God starts to come into your life and dwell in your life. And when the spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is freedom and there is liberty. And I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care what struggles you may have. You've been struggles for all of your life or maybe just over the last few years. Those struggles are nothing compared to the awesome presence of the almighty God. And he just comes and lifts them straight off you and give you freedom and give you liberty. Let's pray.